Right, good morning, Bershus Rabbi Crown. So we are on Mem Dalid Ahmed Aleph, third line from the top. It says Amar Mar. So if you recall, what we had, were discussing last week is a case or multiple cases where um, someone, get, uh, um, a man gives a woman a ksuba and then gives her another ksuba. So the first ksuba says that he is responsible to pay her 200, and the second ksuba says he's responsible to pay her 300. The question is, how do you deal with these two things? Is it is it cumulative, meaning that he owes her five hundred? Is one replaced the other? As well as we had some discussion about like one of these, if he gives it to her at the time of um, let's call it engagement and marriage, Averson and Suen, um, does he? Is it? There's a whole concept of when you someone owes somebody money, they have the ability to go after property that they may have sold after that date. So what's the effective date of the handoff of that money? Is it as of when they became engaged, in which case she's able to go after property that may have been sold after that point? Or is it only at the point that when she gets married? So continuing along, Amar Mar, this is talking about the opinion of Rambuna. Amar Mar, Bahai Gavna, if she wants to collect with the first one, um, or if she wants to collect with the other one. So there, again, there's two ksubas. Ksuba number one is 200. Ksuba number two is 300. So the difference between the two is the ksuba of 200 is valid as of November 1st, and the ksuba of 300 is valid as of February 1st. So if she wants to go with 200, then she's eligible to collect from property that may have been sold after November 1st. She wants to go with the ksuba that's, that's after, as of 300, She's able to only collect with a smaller amount of property potentially that's sold after March 1st. So she has a choice of doing one or the other, uh, meaning that they're not cumulative, but that, you know she has two different documents with which to work. Lema Palga Karavi Nachman is is do we say that what Rav Huna says is a similar to Rav Nachman? Dam Rav Nachman Staros. He talks about um, two. There's two documents about a transaction involving a field. Hayotzim Bazet Acharzeh. Um, there's one dated one day and one after the other day. Bitel Shanius Harishon, that the second one um, nullifies or overrides the first one. Um, um, so, do we say, Amara Papa, Umode Rav Nachman, that he would agree that in that sort of case, the Osip Beidikla, that, you know, he's, it's a whole transaction involving a field. So, he has contract number one about. Um, selling or handing over a field. Contract two, number two, is selling and handing over the same exact field. However, contract number two, if he added in a dikla, he added in a palm tree, something similar, something secondary, additional thing, um, he specifically must have written it in order to add in the addition. Hachanami, similarly too, in our case, Ha'osif Lamari. So the only reason he wrote the second suva um, for her was to give her something additional as part of the second suva. Um, Gufa, and we're this is the exact same thing we just said. This Baraisa, I'm Rav Nachman. Two Shtaros, one right after the other. Bital Sheni is The second one nullifies, overrides the first one. I'm Rav Papa, Moder Rav Nachman. The Yosef That if he adds the palm tree, he's clearly saying that he's adding on. It's not just it's not just it nullifies the first one. It's the same as the first one, except he's adding on something additional. How Gemara says, Pshita, it's obvious that Rish, that maybe what we're talking about here is Rishon b'mecher usheni b'matana, that the first star was meant to be a sale, 
and the second start was meant to be a gift. So what what's the point of that? You know, same same thing. So one he's selling it, and one he is gifting it. Why would he do something like that? In order to give more strength to the person who he is transferring the property to. Why? Um, because there's this whole concept of Devar Matra. What does that mean? So it means that if you have a person who is selling their field and they have a neighbor that has the adjacent, adjacent field. Um, so person A owns a field and he wants to sell it to person B. Meanwhile, person C has the field that is adjacent to the property of person A. So he has, in effect, the right of first refusal to come along and say, you know what, this field is right next to my field, so I want the ability to purchase it and let him gift the other person or sell the other person some other different field, or let the other person buy a different field. Um, however, that only works when it comes to a sale. So because he did a star where he sold it, and then he did a star where he gifted it, he precluded the um, neighbor from being able to come along and say that they want to acquire that adjacent field. Even more so, you might have a case where you have a first star is a, a gift, and the second star is a sale. Um, because the reason he did that is because he wanted to help him against um, creditors. Why? Because if because um, what what happens? So if if you um, when he gifts the field to somebody else, he really has no rights. He really has, he just he just has it as a gift. But when he sells it for a certain amount of money, he has the right to go back and claim. He says, well, if you're going to claim if you're going to take this field from me, I need to somehow be made whole for what I paid for that amount of field. Um, so therefore, by by so so that's so in each of these two cases, because he's either doing it as a sale followed by a gift or a gift followed by a sale, there's a legal reason as to, to to benefit the person in some way that they're 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 doing this. Ella im But if both starim are both sales, or both starim are both gifts, be as a ratio. That must be that the second one comes along. And it nullifies the first one. That's the only reason that he wrote a second star is to replace the first star. In my time, why would you say that it nullifies? Rafram Amar, Rafram says, Amar Ode Odele, that he says what what happened here. The first star was problematic. There was a problem with the first star. It wasn't valid, it wasn't legal, it was something was wrong with it. Rav Acha Amar, Amar Achule um, he said, and Ravacha says, no, what's happening in the second case is that person A sold the field to person B on, on, on March 1st, and he's willing to accept a new contract that says, you know what, I only have, have the right to go collect from other of your property as of February 1st. So he's willing to delay his, to change, you know, make the date later of um, when he owns the property so that he has less of a right. So for whatever reason, he's willing to give in. So that's why... Going through Acha, there might have been a second star. So my Benehu, what is the difference between these two views? Ika Benehu, Odeo Sade. In the first case, Rafram's case, where he says the star is invalid. Um, so in the first case, what are you going to do? You're going to say this is a invalid star. It was done incorrectly, wrongly, badly, whatever it is. It's going to cause the the disqualification of the Adem as well. There were Adem on this star. By virtue of saying this star is invalid, you're 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 sliding the witnesses. 
Ulushlume Peire, that if the if the um, transaction was um, invalid, then um, then the, any fruits that the person might have eaten from that property, he has to pay back because it was an invalid transaction. Tasca or paying property taxes. So depending upon who owns the field, they are responsible to own the property taxes. So in Raphram's case, the the person who who was give, given the field through the star, it was an invalid transaction from from that point until the point they got the valid star. In the second star, the, the transaction was always valid. It's just the question. Second case, the, the Rabacha, this the transaction was always valid. He was just was given a replacement star that made it made its effective date for purposes of collection a little bit later on. So going back to our case, in our case we were talking about Ksuba, Mahavi Ksuba. So what do we learn about Ksuba? Tashma, the Amr of Yehuda, Amr Shmuel, Mishum, Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Shimon. The Rabbi Yehuda said the name of Shmuel, said the name of of uh, said the name of, of Rabbi Lezer, the name of Shimon. Mana Masai Mina Erisin. So you have a ksuba. Typically, you have a ksuba that has either one hundred or two hundred um, is part of the of the ksuba. The standard ksuba is one hundred or two hundred, whether they're a besula or a baula. So that becomes an obligation from the point of erasin betosefes. But if there was any additional, let's say in the in the ksuba it said three hundred, um, that extra hundred is only an obligation, meaning that the it, it's only something that has to be paid and that the woman is able to collect against property from from the time of actual nisuin. The Chachamim Roman, but the Chachamim say, no, Echad Zev, Echad Zev, Nisuin. Both of them are only collectible from the time of the actual nisuin, from the time of the actual marriage. So even though, um, the, you know, the Ksuba might have been there from the point of Eresin, the collection is only from the nisuin. The Hilchus on the Lacha is, Echad Zev, Echad Zev, Nisuin. In both cases, we're talking about Nisuin. Okay, moving on to a new Mishnah, um, different topic. So, if you recall, we had talked about the case of um, uh, there's a there's a girl who's a nara. Remember, a nara is between um, twelve and twelve and a half, and her father marries her off. And the guy comes along who married her and says, "You know what? She was not a basula." So one of two things happens in that case: if it's proven that the guy was lying, not telling the truth, then he has to pay a fine. However, if if the woman was found to be a baula uh, when she shouldn't have been, then the pasuk says, "Bahotzias hanara el pesach beis avia." You take the nara to the her father's house, uskaluva, and you and you stone her anche ira ba'avanim vami. So you stone her with stones, and she is killed. He asasa nevala Yisrael because she did something terrible in Yisrael. There's no space avia ubi arta rabbi kerbecha. So that's the pasuk. So we're going to kind of take apart the Pasuk a bit and use it to teach us assorted different things. But it clearly says we're talking about a Nara, and we're talking about you do it at her father's house, and you're doing this Nevala Be Yisrael, and that's there was this Nevala Be Yisrael was done, and that's why you do it. So the Mishnah says, Hagi Yoret. So you have a woman who's a convert. Shagirza Bita Imas. You have a woman and her daughter, and both of them convert at the same time. Bizinta. And then she, um, when she was a Nara in this case, she was proven to have, um, to have not be a Basula, that she had, she had done adultery. 
She does not, this Pasuk does not apply to her. This Pasuk says that she she should be stoned in front of her father's house. That doesn't apply to her. She gets chenek, she gets strangulation. So because she didn't meet one of the criteria of the Pasuk, and the Gemara will explain what these are, but basically because she's a Gioret, you can't say Nevela be Yisrael. She was not, even though she's Jewish, she's not considered a um, natural Yisrael. So therefore, this Pasuk does, wouldn't apply to her in this case. Um, and therefore, Einla Pesach Beisav. Therefore, you also wouldn't kill her in front of her father's house. Velo Mea Sela. And then, and if the um, man was found to be lying, he isn't obligated to pay the hundred Sela. So, the wording of the Pasuk kind of is a na- very narrow that if any certain you know criteria are not met, the, the whole situation comes apart. Um, similarly, so the mother, who is a convert, she became pregnant before she converted, but she gave birth when she was, um, when she was converted. Um, she is liable to be stoned in that case. She's liable to be stoned because when she was born, she was a Yisrael, right? Her mother had converted at that point. But she does not, um, there is no concept of her being stoned at her father's house, and the Gemara will explain why. Um, basically, when it comes to a Giyorah, someone who converts, they, they lose the connection with their parents. Or her, whoever her father was is no longer technically her father anymore because she converted. Um, so, and the husband, the, the husband, if he wasn't telling the truth, isn't on the hook to pay the hundred sela. However, haisa horasa the dusha, or if the woman, the, the mother became pregnant after she converted, the dusha, she and she was born when um, as complete, completely Jewish, you know. Um, so therefore, she's considered like a. Um, regular, naturally born Jew in all matters. And the Gemara will go into this in more detail. Um, but if she has a father, forget it, we're not talking about a convert here, talking who, um, we're talking about someone who's a naturally born um, Jew. She has a father. And the father is homeless. He doesn't have a house. So, or or the father or there is a, the father has a house, but the father is no longer there, the father de- died. She should still get skila. Why? So the Pesach base Av is not essential for what we're doing here. It's really just a, um, it's just, just an add-on factor. So it's not something that is ma'akev, whether you go through the skila or not. It really is only to put in place um, a detail. So it's not essentially necessary. So let's pause here and we'll pick up tomorrow and we'll start with the Gemara tomorrow. The Gemara is going to Gemara is going to go into um, a couple of these cases and, and basically elaborate how they, based upon the Psukim that we're talking about, how they all apply. But for now, everyone should have a wonderful day.